So I wanted to, uh, I got a, I got a, an email. I haven't done questions and answers in a while, but, uh, I got an email last night after the shear and I wanted to, uh, respond to it. It's actually somebody who is usually on live. So I feel, you know, the, you get priority if you're part of the live group. So we fast track your, your, your questions. So it was, so would you say, I'm reading now the email. So would you say that theoretically Hashem will give good no matter what, but practically we mess it up for ourselves when we don't act on the Torah mitzvahs, which are for our benefit. And that puts us at odds with our supposed bitachin. Thanks for this series. Greatly appreciated. Wanted to learn Shadow Batachin for the longest time, and this gave me the impetus. Yeah. So uh, I'll, ask, I'll answer the... I'll address the first thing second and the second thing first. Uh, so thank you for coming to the class and giving me an impetus to go through Shadow Batachin again. Um, definitely this learning in this format and in this forum... Um, is a whole new level for me and uh, has really added to my appreciation of the, of, of the Sefer. Um, so regarding this question, I'm not sure exactly that I would formulate it that way because you say, theoretically, Hashem will give no matter what, uh, but practically we mess it up for ourselves. I, I, I don't want to agree with that formulation because that it implies that um, there's no situation where where Hashem won't give mercifully uh, if if we don't do what he says. And the truth is that he does. He does give mercifully. So if you, if, you, if you phrase it as theoretically and practically, then basically what you're saying is practically there's no such case where Hashem is giving good to those who are unworthy. And practically speaking, we know there, there is such a case. There are constant cases. And uh, so I wouldn't formulate it that way. I would, the way that I would put it, and it's a difficult concept, to, to grasp. Um, so I spoke about it last night, but it, it's difficult. So I, I, I'm going to repeat myself what I said last night. This is, or maybe saying a, a little bit different words, but it's the same thing that we said last night. There's no such thing as claiming to really trust in Hashem and then not obeying his will for you. It's not that, well, if you don't obey his will for you, then therefore he's going to punish you by not being nice to you. No, that's not the formulation. The formulation is like this. When you have trust in Hashem that he's going to do good for you, nothing can stop that. Nothing can stand in the way of bitachin. To the extent, like the Rebbe mentioned, that Kasser Shemtev, where the Baal Shemtev says, when somebody is chayiv, when he actually is 
has a punishment coming to him, God forbid. They, if he has betochen, they can't punish him. So therefore, what they do from heaven is they take away his betochen. Now that raises a whole other question of free choice. You know, how could be the shemaim kutz shemaim? So how could they take away his betochen? Or uh, you know, that's that's similar to the question of you know paray's uh, you know paray's heart being hardened. You know, how, how did he have free choice in that case? And I don't want to get into the whole philosophical discussion right now. But the point is that if you have betochen, then nothing will stand in the way of betochen, uh, to the extent that if they need to punish a guy and he has betochen, they'll take away the betochen because they can't punish him while he still has his betochen because betochen will cause that only good things and no punishment will happen. Okay, so here's, but here's the thing. If you're not listening to Hashem, then clearly you don't have betochen. It's not, though, I, well, I have betochen, but... My betochen's not working because Hashem's punishing me for not listening to him. No, that's not what it is. It's, I clearly don't have betochen because I'm not submitting to his will for me. Because if I had betochen, I would know that everything he tells me in the Holy Torah that I'm supposed to do is the best thing that I can be doing. Way better than whatever else I think I should be doing or could be doing right now. So that itself, that I'm not doing what Hashem wants that itself shows a lack of betochen. So it, 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 it's not that, oh, really, you have betochen, but Hashem's not going to treat you like someone who has betochen because uh, he's punishing you. No, you don't have betochen. You don't trust him to live according to his will. You instead want to live according to your own will. By the way, I uh, received some feedback also after last night. Somebody I know heard, who heard the class where I made this, you know, uh, I made a, a reference to 12 uh, step recovery and I talked about the old uh, non Jewish guys who, you know, who had 20, 30 years in the program and how they would, to them, it was like so simple that, of course, a Jew has to do what a Jew has to do and, uh, you know, that's part of your recovery. That's part of the, that's part of the program is that a Jew has to, to keep Torah mitzvahs, right? So uh, somebody reached out to me. Uh, today and said, oh, that is so true. That resonates completely with my experience. I know these guys. I know exactly these guys you're describing. It's so simple to them that obviously, you know, if you're really surrendered, if you're really giving yourself over to God, then that means you're doing his will. In other words, you can't say, I'm surrendered. I'm trusting. I'm giving myself over to God, oh, but I won't do what he wants. It, it, it's, it's, it's an, it's an oxymoron. It's a stirum in obey. The, the two things cannot, cannot coexist. Okay, so I hope that that's clear. Here's a question. So is bitochen all or nothing? Not everyone keeps all the mitzvahs, but could, could still have bitochen. Clearly, bitochen is not binary. It's not either or. It's not either you have bitochen or you don't. Um, or we'd all be in big trouble. Bitochen is uh, on a spectrum, and part of the goal of learning a sefer like this, and hopefully not just learning it, but meditating upon it and reflecting upon it, trying to internalize it, is to grow and evolve in our bitochen, to make that bitochen stronger. So, uh, 
yeah, it is certainly not an all-or-nothing proposition. We'd be in big trouble if that were the case. There's an expression from Chazal. I'll say it in Aramaic, in the original Aramaic. Ganva pumachtarta rachmona karya. That the, the ganiv, the thief, at the entrance to the tunnel, he dug a tunnel under a wall in order to break into a, into a house, to, to do his gneva, to, to, to rob the house. So at the entrance to the tunnel that he just dug, before he jumps down into the tunnel, he calls out to the merciful one, meaning he, he says a prayer. So the classic question is, is this ganiv, this, this thief, is he a maimon or is he not a maimon? Does he believe or he doesn't believe? Because you could argue either way. If he's not a believer, then why is he wasting time praying? He should just jump in the, in the tunnel as quickly as possible and get in and out. He shouldn't be wasting time with prayer. And the fact that he's davening must mean he feels it's a, it's a good use of his time, that it's something that's going to help him. So he obviously does believe. On the other hand, you know about the, the, the guy who called up a, a synagogue, by the way, and the receptionist answers the phone. He says, I'm looking for a one-armed rabbi. And the receptionist says, what? He says, I'm looking for a one-armed rabbi. The receptionist says, what? He says, I told you I'm looking for a one-armed rabbi. She says, I don't understand. Why are you looking for a one-armed rabbi? We don't have a one-armed rabbi. I don't know. What, what's a one-armed rabbi? He says, listen. I'll tell you why I'm looking for a one-armed rabbi. Because the rabbi I have right now, every time I ask him a question, he answers me. And then a second later he says, but on the other hand, okay, so on the other hand, um, if this Ganev really has faith in Hashem, if he's a believer, then how come he's going against Hashem's will? Hashem told him, don't rob, and he's robbing. How come he doesn't believe that he can keep Teda Mitzvahs and Hashem will find a kosher way to give him livelihood? So clearly he doesn't believe. But if he doesn't believe, then why is he standing there and being mispalal? He's davening before, before, he, does his, uh, before he does his break-in. And we, we could back, go back and forth arguing and we, never, we can never reach a conclusion. So how do we understand this? So I'll tell you the, the explanation that Chassidus gives, which is that it's not binary. It's not all or nothing. It's not either or. Okay? Uh, there's a spectrum. There are degrees. And more specifically, what are these degrees? They are degrees of internalization or integration. Of course he has a mona. First of all, yidin are maiminim b'nei maiminim. So intrinsically, every Jew believes in Hashem. You know, I told you a couple nights ago, I mentioned Carl Sagan, who, who purported to be an atheist his whole life, okay? And I said, yidin are maiminim b'nei maiminim, okay? So... And, and that's 100% true. There's nothing you can do about it. Yid, yid is a maimin. 
Okay, but but then why does he say he's an atheist then? He's joking? He's lying? He doesn't mean it? No, he means it. But he's not an atheist. He's a Maimon. But he says he's an atheist, and he's not lying. Okay, so we have to explain it like this. Deep down, we all believe. Why? Because deep down, that's your soul, and your soul believes. You know, you, you know they say seeing is believing. Your soul sees, so your soul believes. Your soul testifies. You know, in the Shema Yisrael, you have two big letters. You have the Ayin from Shema, and you have the Dalet from Echad. Ayin and Dalet is Aid. The soul is a witness. Aid means a witness. Soul sees God. Okay? But that's deep down. Or maybe if we're going to use spatial terms, obviously when, when we're talking about spiritual things, they, they don't adhere or conform to uh, spatial terminology. So we say deep or, you know, shallow or up or down, right, left. These are, these are symbolic terms when we're speaking about spiritual phenomena. But maybe if we're going to use any spatial terms, I think probably the be better way to put it is um, think of your, your soul's beliefs as sort of um, hovering around you. The, the Hasidic term is makif, derech makif, which literally means surrounding. So think about your soul's relationship with Hashem is sort of like hovering around you. Bederech makif. But it's not getting into you. What does it mean it's not getting into you? Well, what, what's you? Who's you? I mean, your soul is also you. In fact, in, in some ways, it's, it's the real you. But... For the purposes of our conversation, when we, when we say you, I mean the you that I'm talking to right now. When I'm talking to you right now, I'm not talking to your soul. First of all, your soul doesn't need this class. Your soul already knows everything in this class. I'm speaking to your brain. And I'm speaking to your heart. So that's you. Now, how integrated are your soul's beliefs in your brain and in your heart? So your soul's beliefs are they're hovering around you, but your job is to bring them in, into your mind and into your heart and integrate them with your mind, meaning the way that you look at things and make judgments and make decisions, you know, the way you assess information, that's, that's your mind. And then based on those assessments and those judgments, you come to an emotional conclusion. You have a feeling about whatever it is that you're, you're thinking about or looking at. And there are degrees to which we have made that, that, that integration occur. Meaning we can integrate it a little bit or we can integrate it a lot. Now, the Ganev that we're talking about here, the proverbial thief at the tunnel who's davening, he has faith because his soul believes, but it's not... It hasn't penetrated him. It hasn't penetrated his mind and heart because he looks at life, he looks at his situation, he looks at you know, the bills he has to pay, and he comes up with an assessment that there's no honest way that he's going to be able to make a living. And emotionally, he doesn't feel, he doesn't feel that he's taken care of or he will be taken care of unless he goes and he does this, uh, this, this robbery. 
So, of course, he believes in Hashem, but in a very abstract way. Abstract might be a good, a good term to use here. Okay, when we say it's bederech makif, what we mean is it's abstract. Or like in the email that we were reading before about theoretical and practical, I would use those terms, but I would take them out of the context that we said in that email and import them into this context and say like this. I don't, want, I don't want to remind you how the words theoretical and, and practical were used in that email because, because I don't want to confuse everyone by returning to that, but I'm just I'm lifting those words. The Ganev believes in Hashem in theory, but he doesn't believe in Hashem in practice. So in theory, of course, God runs the world. But when it comes to the way he looks at life and the way he feels about it, and therefore the kinds of decisions he makes, he's not aligned with that belief. He's not aligned with that belief. He doesn't see that. He looks at life, he doesn't see the world that way. And then when he he thinks about how he feels about life, he doesn't feel feel the feelings a person would have if his feelings were aligned with his faith. If your feelings, think about it, if your feelings were aligned with your faith, how would you feel? You'd feel at peace. You'd feel secure. You'd feel happy. You'd feel calm. But he doesn't feel that way. So he has faith, but his faith is just faith. It remains abstract or makif or however you want to, you know, hovering if you want to call it. And meanwhile, in here and here, in his mind and his heart, he's, he's got a different reality. So, what's our work? What's our job? The difference between the Ganev davening at the tunnel and the Ganev who stops being a Ganev is not the flip of a switch. It's a process. It's a process. In other words, it's not like He's either someone who doesn't have integrated faith, or he is. No. There's a spectrum. And movement along that spectrum is a process. In other words, in order to go from where he's at to where he needs to be, what does he need to do? He needs to engage in the process of taking what he already believes in his soul and moving that into his mind and into his heart. Now, how do you do that? What does that look like? What is the process of taking faith and moving it into your your mind and heart look like? So I have good news for you. You know what it looks like? It looks exactly like this. It looks like what we're doing right now. When we, I told you already, your soul doesn't need to learn Shara Betochen, because your soul already has Betochen. But when we learn these things, we're not learning them for the soul, we're learning them for the mind and for the heart, so that we can get our mind and heart lined up with where our soul already is. So when you learn these ideas, and you discuss them, and you explain them, and you make sure that make, they make sense. And if it doesn't make sense, you write an email and you ask a question and you ask for clarification. When you do that work, what are you doing? You're making sure 
that Hashem won't remain abstract. Hashem won't remain theoretical. What you're doing is you're, you're, you're taking the faith and you're making it aligned with your mind and with your heart so that when you actually go into your life and you have decisions to make and you look at things and you have to make assessments and you have to make judgments, your decisions and your assessments and your judgments are going to be aligned with and in keeping with what your soul already believes. So that's what we're doing here. That's the whole purpose of a class like this, is to get that faith integrated intellectually and emotionally. There's another question here in the chat box, which is, I thought that having bitochen means we trust that everything that Hashem gives us is for our good, which includes Torah and not it, mitzvahs, like the Rebzusha story. Uh, I'm not sure how to read that last part. But if I understand what you're writing, yes, I, that's... If, if I understand what you're, what you're writing, that's, yeah, that's what we were saying at the beginning of the class. Unless you're writing something different. Maybe you're saying something different. But what we're saying at the beginning of the class is the betochen isn't just that I trust everything Hashem does in this world is for my good. It's also trusting that the plan that he gave to me, called Torah and Mitzvahs, called Shulchan Aruch, called Halacha, that that plan is also good. So you can't separate the two. If you have Bitochen, that Hashem is running the world in a kind and good way, then that also means you have Bitochen, that the plan Hashem gave us, when he gave us the Torah, that's also kind and good. Um... But again, I'm not 100% sure I understood the question. Okay. Hi, Rabbi Tav. I understand the concept of trusting Hashem and then feeling less codependent, yeah, and loving another for who they are. Less fo- feel, feeling less codependent, comma, and therefore loving f- people for who they are. But if a person really only trusts in Hashem and, other, and not on others and busies his mind with that, if his personality is more reserved, he may appear cold to others. Okay, so, yeah, we spoke about, I don't remember which class that was, maybe like class three or four. I remember it was an early-ish class where I spoke about when you don't depend on others and you only depend on Hashem, um, so then you stop being a codependent, you know, stop being a people pleaser who compromises their principles in order to get approval from others. So now you're asking, well, won't people think you're cold? Won't people think that you're not nice? So here's the thing, I want to tell you something. First of all, no, they will not think that. And that's, that's, that's it. No. Why am I saying no? Because how could doing the right thing hurt people? But if you want an explanation, if you want to prove it to yourself, so, you know, to me, I think about the Rebbe. The Rebbe had betochen in Hashem, and, uh, you know, didn't, didn't need people's approval, didn't need people to tell him he's okay. You know, the Rebbe had just, it's not for people like us to try to describe a tzaddik's relationship with Hashem, but suffice it to say, you know, the Rebbe's relationship with people wasn't like the kind of relationship that, that, that we have with people, where we... Uh, 
where we do expect people to fix us or to to do for to to do things for us that really only Hashem can do, right? So the Rebbe had betachin, and did people think of him as cold? No, to the contrary. To the contrary. People who talk about being Yechidus with the Rebbe, what do they always say? They feel like, they said, no matter, even though the Rebbe had the whole world on his shoulders, I felt like I was the only thing in the entire world because he gave me his full attention. When you are so solid in your relationship with Hashem, that you don't need anything from anybody, and not only you're no longer using people, but it doesn't even cross your mind to use people, that is when you first become free to truly bond with people. Because now, if I'm sitting across from you, I don't need anything from you. I'm not trying to get anything out of you. I have no personal agenda in this. I have no personal stake. If I'm talking to you now, it's because I want to be here. And I'm 100% present. People who really have that kind of betochen, not only do they not have dysfunctional human relationships, they're the ones who have the healthiest human relationships. Because they can actually be present and bond with people with zero agenda. So I hope that's, that's clear. Um, there's a private question about not feeling a connection these days. And wondering if this class can help. Well, I hope this class can help, but if it's not this class, then it's some other class. Yes, like we were talking about before, our soul is already connected. Now we just got to get the mind and the heart lined up to that. So how do you get the mind and the heart lined up to the soul? Is <coughs> through learning Torah. You have to learn Torah. That's the only way. So if it's not this class, then it'll be some other class. If it's not this teacher, it'll be some other teacher. But yes, continue your studies. That's, that's the way to go. Anything else? Yeah, okay, go ahead. Yeah.